Tonight, inside Afghanistan, the frightening reality as the world marks International Women's Day. The alarming academic void under Taliban rule. We need to be independent. And the students raising their voices from Canada. The women of that country need to be here. Canada's big three grocery store bosses get the third degree. How could you justify that? A dollar out of $25 of sales, that's reasonable. Prices, profits, and calls for more competition. Plus, the workplace that's making waves. We're certainly seeing explosive demand. A cruise ship reimagined to cater to remote workers. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. On this International Women's Day, the United Nations has declared the women of Afghanistan the most repressed in the world, silenced by the Taliban's tyranny. <laughs> women around the world rallied for their basic human rights today, focusing on Afghanistan, where tonight equality remains an elusive dream. Two and a half million Afghan girls are not in school. Worldwide, that number is a staggering 129 million because of poverty or child marriage. Tonight, CTV's Danielle Hamamjan gives us a rare look into the systemic exclusion of women and girls in a country controlled by the Taliban. At Kabul University, female students are where the Taliban want them to be. Nowhere near a classroom. Security here is under their watch. And letting a female journalist on campus is out of the question. You will stay in the car with the nematology, we will go inside. They've only allowed our interpreter and my male cameraman inside, and so they've told me I'm not allowed in, not because I'm a journalist, but because I'm a woman, so I have to wait uh, in the car outside. The Taliban government claims some of the subjects the women were being taught aren't in line with Islamic values. So I am now allowed outside the car and allowed to speak to the camera because there is a man with me. But I just want to tell you what's happening behind me and that is um, some of the female university students have come here. They're obviously not allowed inside, but they've come here to pick up their diplomas and they've got to come with a male uh, chaperone as well. In this case, she's come with her brother and she wants her diploma because she's graduated, but it looks like she's not leaving today with that piece of paper. Women are literally being erased. At private universities, the edict remains the same, though here they've opened their doors to me. The only woman in sight. Half the student population is gone. So is a quarter of the teaching staff. We wanted to know if you think that your female classmates should be allowed back in university. Does anybody want to answer? Taliban has a misunderstanding of why they have to prohibit the ladies or females from studying because they are half of the society, so they have to study. Yes, we believe that uh, our sisters and our, our mothers should study with us. They should sit 
uh, and also they should uh, have equal rights. I uh, really like to do painting. The semester that began this week would have been the last one for Noor and Sanam. Both were studying economics and about to graduate. Walk me through your days. You wake up in the morning, then what? Nothing special, boring days. Their movements are so restricted, she hadn't left the house for a whole month until this interview. Afghanistan's future is dark, she says, but only for women. What do you want most for yourselves? Uh, actually, I, yeah, we need to be independent. In public, they cover their faces, fearing the gaze of a Taliban soldier. That it's International Women's Day is a cruel reminder. They live in the most repressive country in the world for women and girls. In the past, it was celebrated like uh, every year, but now even nobody cares that it's, it's going to be a woman's day. Yeah, it's the question that every woman asks there. So, like, uh, why me? And what is your answer to that? I don't find any answer for that. Noor and Sanam not only want to be independent women, they want to follow in their parents' footsteps and become business women. They've applied for scholarships all over the world, but so far, Omar, they've not been accepted anywhere. A heartbreaking struggle, Danielle. When CTV News was last on the ground a year ago, the Taliban were keen to show they were back in control. How has that changed? It's clear that they want to make it harder for the foreign press to report out of Afghanistan. And so our permit that would have allowed us to do our job was ultimately rejected. Had we kept going, kept shooting, kept interviewing people and kept bringing you first-hand accounts, um, could have gotten us arrested quite simply. And so we immediately took the decision to pack our bags reluctantly and head to the airport. It's now past midnight here, so officially International Women's Day in Afghanistan. And that our permit to report out of this country was rejected just hours earlier. Could or could not be a coincidence, it's hard to tell, but we were definitely left with very few options. And so here we are at the airport trying to get on the first available flight out of Afghanistan. And many, many, many hours later, here we are in Turkey, but we will continue to bring you reports on Afghanistan in the days to come. Omar. All right, Danielle, so glad you and your camera person, Mark, are safe. Thank you for this tonight. And as you just saw, Life remains grim for the girls trapped in Afghanistan. But for those who've escaped, there is gratitude. We'll have that story later. Well, this country may be seen as a leader in gender equality. Still, there's a lot of work to do. Canada has a 16.7% wage gap between men and women, putting it behind 36 other countries. And when it comes to representation in the corporate world, only 5% of Canada's CEOs are women. The leaders of the country's biggest grocery chains appeared before a parliamentary committee today and tried to justify their rising profits as Canadians continue to be confronted by punishing prices at the grocery store. Here's CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier on what they said. While Canada's grocery giants are posting big, even record profits, too many of their customers are struggling to keep up with those whopping prices. My wife and I were on a fixed income. 
we're pensioners and the price of price of groceries is just getting out of hand. I don't buy as much meat and I definitely don't buy as much healthy food as I should because I find that's really a big kicker on the bank account. And today on Parliament Hill, three grocery CEOs, Loblaw, Metro and Empire, were grilled by MPs on those profits they say are really not that high. On a customer's $25 grocery basket, we earn just $1 in profit. I can assure you that we are doing everything we can to contain price increases and provide value to our customers during these trying times. And we're doing it on paper-thin profit margins of 2.5%. Paper-thin, not so much. In 2022, Empire posted net earnings of over $745 million, an increase of 6.3%. Loblaw, $1.9 billion in net earnings, up 2.5%. And Metro, over $849 million in net earnings, up 2.9%. How much profit is too much profit? You're making more money than you've ever made. And if you consider our growth, growth in profit in 2022 is 25 times lower than the unprecedented increases in costs that are being faced by the industry and by the world. Supply chain delays, cost of fuel, climate change and labor shortages say the CEOs all contribute to increasing prices and they are steep. Butter up 59%, corn oil up 140%, wheat up 109%, flour up 63%, turkey frozen 70 up, 78% up. The three CEOs are willing to support a grocer's code of conduct, and they say they will work with the Competition Bureau to share their financial statements for the sake of transparency. Omar? All right, Joyce, thanks. For the first time in more than a year, the Bank of Canada is pressing pause on its key interest rate, holding steady at 4.5% after eight consecutive rate hikes. The central bank said it's prepared to raise rates again, but feels confident that inflation is starting to ease. Economic concerns took a backseat in question period today to allegations of election interference from China. The pressure keeps growing about what the prime minister and his staff may have known. Here's CTV's Judy Trin. Prime Minister, one of your... Prime Minister... A barrage of questions about foreign interference to start the workday. I know that no matter what I say, Canadians continue to have questions about what we did and what we didn't. The Prime Minister repeated that a special rapporteur and a national security committee will get to the bottom of it. But even his own caucus wonders if that's enough. The government of China is an existential threat to Canada and on a multiplicity of levels. Today, a new report by Global News about the existence of two government memos warning that Chinese consular staff were funneling money to preferred party nominees in the lead-up to the 2019 election. It was more ammunition for the opposition. He won't answer whether his minister, whether his staff has been briefed about that interference. He won't answer even whether his party received illegal money directly from the foreign dictatorship in Beijing. As I said last fall, as the National Security and Intelligence Advisor stated, we have no information on federal candidates receiving money from China. More pressure is also coming from 33 cultural groups representing Canadians from Hong Kong, Iran and Ukraine, among others. They're calling on MPs to create a registry of foreign agents. Get this bill passed and then act before the summer recess of Parliament. 
The registry would identify people who get paid to lobby for foreign governments, perhaps even state-owned companies. If someone does go out there to try and influence a government official or anybody else in the country without registering in the foreign registry first, then they might suffer penalties like fines or legal time or criminal prosecution, depending on how the registry is set up. Advocates for a registry point out that it can be created without an inquiry. The United States and Australia already have one. And Omar, the United Kingdom, is about to pass a law to get one. All right, Judy, thanks. Also in Ottawa today, former astronaut turned politician Mark Garneau announced he is stepping down after 15 years in office. Nothing is perfect in this world, but I'd like to think that I always did my best to try to make it better. Garneau served as both transport and foreign affairs minister with the Trudeau government. He was also one of Canada's first astronauts and the first Canadian to fly to space. Garneau is 74 and says he wants to spend more time with his family. Ontario's fiscal watchdog says in a new report the province will be short 33,000 health care workers in five years. It found the province will need to spend an additional $21 billion to keep its health care promises and that Ontario nurses have the lowest wages in the country. We gave the nurses a $5,000 bonus last year. We gave the PSWs a $3 uh, increase. So we're, we're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at healthcare. The report also says Ontario's efforts to solve the problems will be hampered by a growing and aging population. Millions across central and northern California are under flood watches tonight. In regions battered by back-to-back snowstorms, mild temperatures are expected to trigger a rapid melt and the other new threat, torrential rain. CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters on the escalating danger. It's far from normal, but life is gradually returning in the mountains northeast of Los Angeles. We've been kind of like locked in here because of the snow. Four-year-old Jonathan and his father Chad have been locked in for two weeks. Our street was like four feet of snow and uh, just recently got plowed. With their groceries running out, today they and many of their neighbors finally had a chance to get more. Would you like a bag of fresh produce? Yes, please. Okay. Beside the mountain of snow, there is now a mountain of food. World Central Kitchen and the local McDonald's are giving out emergency supplies here. Bread and milk, fresh produce, bottled water, even diapers. Food-wise, we are doing we are doing very well. Um, the amount of donations and the amount of people stepping up. The main road is now open, but many residential streets are still blocked. So food is getting to the town, but not everyone can get to the food. Today was the first day we've gotten out. Trudy Padilla has lived here for 15 years and is used to snow, but not like this. It still caught us off guard. Now, California has to be on guard for another storm. Due by Friday, a warm, atmospheric river is expected to bring heavy rain. The concern is that it will cause rapid melting of mountain snow and flooding in river valleys below. Similar conditions in 1997 wiped out half the campsites in Yosemite National Park and stranded hundreds of people. I do believe right now there is more snow than we had in 1997. Back in Crestline, the thaw has begun. So even before this town has recovered, trouble here may already be starting to trickle down. Tom Walters, CTV News, Crestline, California. Coming up, a bizarre scene on a busy Ontario highway. Hitching a ride on the back of a transport truck. Plus, 
from cubicle to cruise ship, remote work redefined. Public outrage over the train disaster in Greece boiled over today. Some protests turned violent as demonstrators clashed with riot police. An estimated 60,000 people took part in rallies across Greece, angry over the country's rail infrastructure and last week's head-on crash that killed 57 people. And police moved in to disperse protesters in the former Soviet Republic of Georgia tonight. Demonstrators fear a proposed law will affect media freedom. Many compare the measure to what Russia did to discredit those critical of the government. And a first-of-its-kind cruise is appealing to any and all wanting to live and work remotely on the high seas for three years. Here's CTV's Richard Madden on the price tag and what, for many, is the ultimate dream. Selling the high seas in a post-pandemic world, a cruise line is pitching a unique concept, leave land behind to work on a floating office in a three-year voyage around the world. COVID really changed the way people work. You know, we put this product together where you can cruise, live, work, and explore from your home at sea. For an industry that typically appeals to seniors, Life at Sea Cruises is targeting remote workers priced out of the housing market. Cabin rentals on the MV Gemini start at 30 grand U.S. a year, roughly the price of rent in many big cities. The vessel's old casino's been gutted and turned into offices with meeting rooms, a business lounge, and free internet. There's been a huge, huge response from the digital nomads, empty nesters, and so forth, and definitely a younger crowd. And clearly, you're marketing to those people. Yes, absolutely, and and it is hitting home. Uh, about 25% of our current bookings are aged 45 and younger. Floating the possibility of tax benefits working as an international resident, this mega cruise has tapped into a niche market as more employers offer flexible work incentives to compete in a tight labor market, while many workers resist to return to the office for a nine-to-five job. I think it's a very creative way to appeal to what people are looking for right now with flexibility and travel and lifestyle. This three-year cruise that plans to visit more than 100 countries and all seven continents may not be for everyone, but the concept has generated interest in bookings from around the world. The ship sets sail in November. Richard Madden, CTV News, Washington. Still ahead tonight, Baby Lilibet, a royal christening in California. Ontario Provincial Police are investigating after a man hitched a ride on the back of a transport truck and headed down the highway. Video captured by another driver shows the man hanging off the truck's trailer on the QEW in Burlington early this morning. Everything was going through my mind. I was like, is there like a doll on the back of this truck that they've decided to do it as a joke and it just looks like really human? The suspect jumped off as the truck stopped but hasn't been located by authorities. A musician in Barrie is ending his incredible 70th season with the city's concert band on a high note. (music) 
94-year-old George Keynes has decided to hang up his trumpet. Keynes first joined the group after a stint in the Army Band and has never missed a practice since. Even if it was my birthday, my wife used to get mad at me. <laughs> she said, why can't you say, oh, no, no, band rehearsal. His bandmates played him out to a medley of his favorite songs. Now that is dedication and no trumpets, but plenty of joy for a royal milestone. Prince Harry and his wife Meghan announced today that their 21-month-old daughter, Princess Lilibet Diana, was baptized in a private ceremony at the couple's home in California last Friday. The announcement marked the first time they publicly used royal titles for their children. And coming up after the break, we chronicled their journey from Kabul to Canada. That was just the start. We started this broadcast with the brutal plight of women and girls inside Afghanistan. We end tonight on the promising future for those who made it out. Last year, we brought you the story of a group of girls from Kabul as they discovered the joys of their first Canadian winter. And tonight, we check in with them again as they got together for a remarkable reunion. Here's CTV's Heather Wright. Seven women took to the stage in Toronto this evening, singing for millions more back home in Afghanistan. All our songs is about women's power, women's rights, like humanity, like peace, freedom. The freedom to sing, to live, to learn. All rights taken from women when the Taliban took over Afghanistan in 2021. My mom cannot read and write. And uh, uh, even though she cannot read and write, but she teach me the value of education. Masuma Nasiri was a student at the Marifat School, known for its progressive values. After the fall of Kabul, all of Marifat's teachers and students became targets, especially the school's young female singers. My dream was in danger, yeah, so that's why uh, I decided to leave my country. With the help of the 30 Birds Foundation, 450 girls and their families from Marifat have come to Canada, settling in Saskatoon and Toronto. And tonight, these singers perform together for the first time in nearly three years. They know the value of education. They know the value of their voice, and they're not going to give any of that up. And while they are safe to sing here in Canada, 15-year-old Nila Ibrahimi can't help but think of her friends and family back home who couldn't get out. They could be growing their skills, but they are locked up in their homes. I hear from my friends every day, waiting for the doors of schools to be open to them. And I hope one day they can experience the life I'm experiencing here. And so on this International Women's Day, a plea to the world. Please do not give up on Afghan girls who are left in Afghanistan. A reminder that while women's rights have come a long way, there's still much farther to go. Heather Wright, CTV News, Toronto. Powerful message. And that's a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Good night.